Hello and welcome to the Dr. Richard podcast, a show about health, well-being, fitness and humanity. I'm Dr. Richard Marks. Today, I'm excited to talk to Dr. Chris George. Chris, he's a GP, a media doctor and a health campaigner, and um, he's also passionate about the planet and environment. So we're going to talk a lot about these different things. So um, firstly, hello. Hi there. <laughs> and um, one thing that I'm asking everybody who comes on is three things that make you smile. Yeah. So um, what three things make you smile? <laughs> um, so apart from seeing you today, I think number <laughs> <Go> one <laughs> would probably be uh, beach shorts, because I think you can't have a bad time if you're wearing beach shorts. You know, it's always Definitely. fun, isn't it? Absolutely. You're always in a good place when you've got those on. Exactly. And the second thing is probably seeing patients for me you know seeing them get better that always makes you smile that never of gets course, old for me of course and then the third thing is probably catching up with friends family you know with those times where you're having coffee time flies by you look at your clock you have two hours gone by and you know those are quite important times really it's important to have social and family time as well isn't it especially with the your job my job you know it's it's really important to have those and i for me like friends are really important as well as um you know they say friends are the family Mm. you choose so yeah i think friends network is really important as well obviously i was going to say about how we knew each other and um Mm -hmm. obviously you did you have visited me in the clinic (laughs) 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 but yeah i wanted to, to you to tell me about um being the director of the british society of lifestyle mm-hmm. medicine and what that entails and yeah and what it means to you and how it works into your career yeah sure so i'm one of the directors for the british society of lifestyle medicine it was created a few years ago by a couple of gps and surgeon and it's basically filling that need for lifestyle medicine within sort of med- uh, medicine and medical practice because what we know is that a lot of conditions are lifestyle related so I think up to sort of 80% of the work that we see as GPs have some sort of lifestyle route. So this kind of organisation actually looks at how can we improve people's health? How can we sort of prevent chronic disease from occurring? And actually sometimes how can we prevent it? So things like type 2 diabetes, we can look at sort of the role of exercise, nutrition, and how can we reverse it? Mm. So, so does it have a, have kind of a public health um, aspect to it, like uh, working, you know, to obviously educate people and then obviously it um at the same time like it seems very health forward with mm-hmm. like concentrating on lifestyles and etiology and what and that kind of builds yeah. into wellness and things as well yeah so that's really important so we're looking at sort of how can we spread that message of lifestyle in terms of public health um before i trained in, as a gp i was actually a surgical trainee mm. so i was actually busy on the wards and i get bleeped by the nurses and they say wow. to me can you come and give some more insulin to this patient who's diabetic and then when i go see them you know it'd be dinner time i see them sort of eating chocolates and there'd be like sweets by bedside and the sugars would be really high and <laughs> no one would actually explain to them that actually they they can control their blood sugars better through diet and a lot of the time i didn't have time as a busy kind of surgical trainee to have those in-depth conversation. So that's kind of why I thought GP uh, gave me a bit more time to kind of take a bit more of a holistic approach to people's healthcare. And uh, so we work on sort of those principles as um, lifestyle medics, sort of how can we look at people's diet, nutrition, sleep, that kind of thing, stress as well, of course, to improve people's health. Yeah, that happens in, we have that in dentistry Mm. as well. It's like dental public health and lifestyle as well, where, um, you know, rather than we're just treating the cavities, Mm -hmm. we should actually help people to eat less sugar 
Yeah. And then there'll be less scavengers to yeah. sort out. And then we can concentrate on doing the nice things like cleaning the teeth, whitening the teeth mm-hmm. and, you know, um, and making, you know, making everything nice and good and doing checkups and everything will be great, hopefully. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that's that's the aim of that. But I think it all fits in together, you know, um, uh, sleep patterns as mm-hmm. well, you know, really important. Um, and as you said, like cortisol levels and mm-hmm. stress as well. So um, it's also like how sometimes you know you go outside the hospital and see people smoking like, yeah. <laughs> like smoking <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, i always find it funny when you see the nurses having to wheel down the patients and they're sort of stood next to the patient the patient's smoking it's always a bit of a paradox i think in healthcare i know someone said to me though they said oh you know smoking lowers my stress level so i don't know what's worse than smoking <laughs> stress. but whatever happens i think the smoking's gotta go <laughs> it does indeed i'm not sure smoking helps anything at all no 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 so um but yeah no it's a really good thing to concentrate on lifestyle as well mm-hmm. and um you know um that kind of leads on to what we were going to talk about about nutrition and fitness mm-hmm. and obviously that's important to you yeah. and how it's important to your patients as mm-hmm. well so um yeah what what how do you kind of incorporate that into having a busy job and career as well yeah so personally i try and personally i try and actually get up early in the morning so get to bed at a sort of decent time and then get up quite early so that i can fit it in before clinic because i know nine times out of ten my clinic's always overrun i always have a man bad myself to do uh, so i don't finish until late so i know that my motivation and energy levels at the end of the day are actually probably pretty low so i know from experience I'm not likely to go in the evening after a clinic. So I fit my exercise in the morning yeah. and then Same towards me. as well. Hmm. <laughs> and then towards the end of the weekend, I'll also kind of do some basic meal prep. So I've got something healthy in the cupboard uh, for food during the week because it is quite a busy job. So I don't have time to cook fresh every night or the energy. So what I try and do is just cook a little bit at the end of the week and then have that available into hand during the week and get a few things on the go as well so have a bit of a balance yeah yeah that's like um the other thing like these hospital canteens they don't oh, always yeah. sell a healthy food it's <laughs> <laughs> like chips and burgers <laughs> wait a minute what's going on here that's why it's good to have the meal prep as well like i try and take things with yeah. me as much as i can and then even if you have a short lunch you've got something healthy and yeah. um yeah, I think that's really good. And at just the same as you, um, I try and fit my exercise in the morning. I'm mm-hmm. doing like personal training over Zoom, mm-hmm. um, just like an hour in the morning. I've got the exercise mat and all the bits oh, there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, do you do it at home? That. I do it at home. <laughs> but it's kind of like a military style workout. Yeah. They're like, uh, you know, get down and give me 40 press ups or something. <laughs> that's quite intense. <laughs> it's quite intense. But actually, for me, it's really good. Yeah. And um, I think I was saying also during the winter, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's even more important because maybe you're eating heavier foods mm-hmm. and at the same time, it gives you those extra energy yeah. during a time where everything's a bit darker yeah. and, you know, um, gives you that extra motivation yeah. and lift. Yeah. So I actually think even though it's hard, yeah. it's brilliant. Exactly. Yeah. And I think you just have to see what works for you. So during the pandemic, I tried home workouts. I've got to be honest with you, I wasn't a great fan of them doing burpee in my kitchen. I live in like a first floor flat in London. So I was doing burpees in my kitchen and my plants and everything was falling off in the in the next room to me. So <laughs> home workouts just really didn't work for me. So I try and get outside and do more sort of outdoors based exercise, but it is whatever suits you. And whenever I have patients in my clinic, I always have that conversation with them. It doesn't really matter what it is that you do physical activity wise just make sure you enjoy it and you're more likely to stick to it and develop a healthy habit 
Yeah, I think so too. I'm good. That kind of leads me to skip on a bit and talk yeah. about your dog because yeah. obviously your dog helps you yeah. get outside and uh, yeah. um, have exercise. So tell us about your dog. Does she live with you in London or is she? She lives back in the farm actually. Oh, so it's nice. a sort of joint custody of the dog between okay. you know, part of this family. So we've actually gone from being a household of uh, sort of cat lovers as kids growing up. My dad would never let us have a dog. Um, and then something changed a few years ago and my mum actually got uh, got two dogs and then partner's got a dog so we actually have oh, <laughs> so many dogs, dogs <laughs> three dogs and then what both. type of dogs are they? um so my mum has like a, what they call a cotton noodle which is a mixture between a cotton tula and a toy poodle wow so she has two then my brother got one of the sisters so that was three dogs and my mum's dogs both had puppies so my other brother got the dog so we have four of these small little dogs so you can imagine what it's like when anyone rings the doorbell when amazon comes around or we have a visitor all the dogs sort of bolt into the kitchen and bark like crazy so there's no way that we're gonna get burgled or robbed anytime soon with the dogs so they're quite good little guard dogs it's amazing all these mixture of dogs i keep on hearing of new ones like uh cockapoo which is a (laughs) cocker spaniel and poodle and then uh the other one labradoodle yeah it's quite popular labrador and a poodle and and what was your dog did you cotton noodle so right it's a random mix i've not even seen another dog that's a cotton noodle in london yet but it one of my friends who's a consultant she had a cotton noodle and my mum fell in love with it so we just asked them you know what breed is it and we actually got it from the same breed as my friend so that's good that's yeah. good yeah because i think when they were um thorough breeding dogs before some of the dogs could develop uh mm-hmm. problems because they were so genetically yeah. pure almost and then with the mixes it's so much better for the dogs isn't it yeah and, and you get these amazing breeds as well yeah and the huge advantage is they're sort of less allergenic yeah. less hair um, and they're kind of easier to look after i think i've read somewhere the other week that that mix between a poodle and other breeds has actually become the most common yeah dog yeah everything in the uk doodle, everything's poodle <laughs> <laughs> noodle <laughs> every oodle possible so, yeah i'm just waiting for the human noodle yeah, exactly. Wow, that's so cool. I wanted to talk a bit about the Healthcare Workers Foundation mm-hmm. and what that does and what yeah. that entails and how, how you're involved mm-hmm. with that. So one of my good friends from university actually set up the Healthcare Workers Foundation and it was set up during the pandemic. So it's set up by doctors for doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically there to support people who've been working through a pandemic. Um, it gives them counselling, access to PPE, where at the beginning we didn't always have the best PPE. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they now do a bereavement fund for people who have sadly lost their lives during COVID. I think it's been over 800 healthcare workers who have died. Wow. So this foundation actually gives grants and bursaries to families who are struggling because they've lost a loved one during the pandemic and kind of helps them with bills, with counselling, uh, with support in terms of housing or even sort of helping with uh, university fees as well. So it really is an amazing foundation that all the money that they raise goes straight back into helping other people who have been affected by the pandemic because as doctors and healthcare professionals we don't always have the best access to sort of well-being services or support so this foundation was one that um, they asked me to be part of and I was like absolutely I'm really passionate about because it's so important that we look after our healthcare professionals because without them we during the pandemic you know where would we be really at this point so the Healthcare Workers Foundation do an amazing job to help and support lots of people. Yeah, I think so too. And that um, kind of reminds me about how, um, as a healthcare worker, you give so much, yeah. but sometimes doctors and our dentists yeah. and all healthcare workers yeah. are not really good at looking after themselves. But yeah. if you give so much, sometimes 
how you're drained and then how do you recharge and how do people look after you yeah because if you can do that then you can give so much more mm -hmm. and it's a it's kind of a balance between giving everything and then looking after yourself as well yeah exactly and i think you, as you say you can't sort of pour from an empty glass so it's exactly. about looking after yourself as a healthcare worker um, and i think we're not always the best at reaching out for help yes uh, so actually this foundation goes a long way because it helps to try and identify people who need help and support out there so um how do you raise money and how could people donate if they wanted to you know help yeah. with this uh, so we have lots of different charity events. Um, there's a Facebook, Instagram and Twitter page for Healthcare Workers Foundation. Uh, so you can take a look at that. There's lots of contact information on there. And also on the website, there's a link to donate. So if you want to donate, that's great. Thank you very much. So you can donate that way. Um, or you can make contact with the admin team there as well. Even better than clapping at 8pm during the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> the clapping was great and I think you know, it did offer a lot of support um, whilst it was there. So it was great. Yeah, yeah. It shows that people care and people really yeah. want to do something. But, uh, you know, these are also other ways like helping with the fundraising and things like that it go a long way mm -hmm. as well. How did you choose medicine as a career? What influenced your decision? Mm -hmm. And um, you talked about obviously doing surgical first yeah. and so yeah tell us a bit about that yeah so I, th I kind of feel like medicine kind of chose me in a way because it was always that thing that I was kind of interested in I had like the medical textbooks I'd read through it I'd learn all the big names and that kind of stuff and read through different body parts and learn it and that was even before I knew what a doctor was I was just kind of interested in human biology and then at the age of about 10 11 I got meningitis I was going through a forest and got bitten by a tick got Lyme disease and meningitis with it. So I was in hospital for a little while. So that then allowed me, I think, gave my first glimpse of what it was like to be a doctor. Mm. So that was really interesting. I really enjoyed, enjoyed inverted commas, being in hospital because it was quite a fun activity. We had loads of arts and crafts and got to meet the doctors and they looked after us really well. I think that kind of was the first sort of thing that made me think, actually, you know what, I'd like to be doing this as a career long term. Mm -hmm. um, and then as I grew up, I kind of was really interested in biology science that kind of thing so that's kind of like for my path into right into medicine really yeah it's, it, that kind of is similar in for mine because i come from a family of dentists anyway because yeah. my my grandfather was the first and yeah. he came from portugal and mm -hmm. um, studied um in newcastle durham university and then uh, he met my grandmother there and my father's a dentist mm -hmm. and my father uncle and mum were all in the same dental school so yeah. it's a obviously a very big family thing for me and then yeah. There's me and my my sister's a, a dental therapist hygienist. So, yeah. um, but I had an accident when I was young. Mm -hmm. I was riding a bike and the brakes failed, and it was mm -hmm. actually going down towards a main road. Mm -hmm. And then um, I had to kind of jump off. Yeah. But I hit the ground with my teeth, teeth Ooh. first. I was a bit of a goofy kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> and then. Um, uh, I went home and actually my tooth had come clean out and my yeah. dad was like, wow, this is a disaster. Let's go and find the tooth. So he <laughs> had to find the tooth and then sterilize it and reimplant the tooth. So, wow. um, and I was like, I went through so much with my teeth, um, you know, getting them fixed and I had braces mm -hmm. a couple of years and everything, but it was something that was really important to me after suffering that big mm -hmm. shock. And then I thought, wow, I could do this for someone else and yeah. make a big difference, you know? Yeah, and I think it's just having that experience that makes you like a better dentist, better doctor, yeah. better healthcare professional. Yeah. Because you can kind of empathize in a way that you probably couldn't have done without that experience. Definitely, definitely. I can at least say, you know, I've been through treatment, so I know yeah. what it's like, you know? 
um, giving all that numbing and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have any stories from your job or, you know, uh, either funny stories, good stories or, or you know, Ooh. interesting stories? <laughs> <laughs> so there's always a funny story on the ward or, or in the hospital. Some we can't always share because of patient confidentiality, of but I think the funny stories always involve things, you know, objects being certain to places that they shouldn't be. Um, and some of the stories that come from that and excuses of how they got there tends to always make a lot of us laugh. It reminds me of the Adam K book. I don't know yeah. if you read that. I have, yeah. yeah. yeah it's brilliant. Book. brilliant. <laughs> I was reading that book and I and it just seems so absurd. But having gone through that experience as a surgical trainee, I was like, actually, a lot of that is probably true. I can I've, I can relate to so much of what he was talking about. Yeah, I would definitely recommend people listening to podcasts know inserting things into, <laughs> into those places. <laughs> Let's talk about your joy of traveling because yeah. I know that's some important mm-hmm. thing to you. Um, and obviously during the pandemic, it's been harder to do. Yeah. So um, yeah, tell tell me about how you love to travel, obviously, and uh, where you've been and yeah. how it kind of enriches your life. And Yeah, so when I was 18, um, I decided to take a year out before university. And that was kind of the first time that I traveled properly. So I kind of packed my bag. All my other friends went off to university. I was kind of like the odd one out, actually. So I packed my bag and I went to Mexico. And nice. I lived with a family out there for about three months. And I worked in a hospital out there, working in A&E. So looking at patients who had like TB and chest effects, heart attacks, that kind of stuff. So I was like living and breathing the local culture. And I just found it so incredible to live with a local family, see the local sites, eat with them, go to their church, experience their culture. And that kind of was a first experience of traveling and experiencing different, sort of a big difference in culture. And I really enjoyed it. And since then, I've always been able to go traveling, see the world. So I've always tended to travel yeah. further abroad. So Central America, South America. Something um, yeah. more, more unusual. Yeah. Where in Mexico did you go? I've went, been before, have but you? Puerto Vallarta, which is the west coast. Yes, so so. I've been there. So I went to, I lived in Guadalajara. Yeah, I've been there as well because that's close. Isn't yeah. It? So I lived with them for a few months and I traveled through Mexico, uh, Belize, Guatemala, and then up to Cancun. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So it was a nice first sort of experience of traveling. And Mexican food is amazing. It's so good, isn't it? (laughs) It's so good. Especially Mexican food there. Like, um, I remember um, there was a Mexican chef who um, was like in this uh, hotel where I stayed, which was more like a smaller, Mm -hmm. smaller thing. um, And uh, guest house, really. And um, everything was prepared like freshly and uh, that was a whole nother level of mexican food for me yeah i mean I, any excuse to eat good food be by the beach and surf is a good reason to get out of the uk yeah definitely and that side of interestingly the west coast it's got kind of a tropical um does, climate, yeah. hasn't it yeah. you know iguanas and yeah it's pretty massive, amazing massive but, iguanas, yeah exactly but it's a long flight it was yeah. a long flight i remember that because <laughs> I went for US and then mm-hmm. and then there, but an amazing place. What did you think of Guatemala? I absolutely loved it. I thought it was, you know, I was used to traveling long distances through Mexico and Guatemala was so much more compact and undiscovered and lots of rainforests and temples. And it was like being Indiana Jones, I think, sometimes. Yeah. Well, I think obviously, you know, traveling and like enriching experiences are really important. And I think we do need that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though 
pandemic has caused us to yeah. be uh, kind of stuck in yeah. one place. And people still do staycations. And mm-hmm. I've been around. I went to Bath, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> see some of England. But there's something important about connecting with other people, you know. And obviously, yeah. we're all living together yeah. on one planet. And you, it's interesting to get yeah. those experiences of, and of what's going on. And then that enriches your life. And, yeah. and you can bring that back to other people as well. Yeah. And I think it's, for me, I love going, traveling, seeing the different place but also giving back whilst you're away so whether that's with nature i've volunteered in sort of turtle projects that kind of stuff um and also supporting local communities um so there's lots of different experiences that you can do whilst you're out there and to help local people um and long term i'd love to be able to do some charity work abroad i think that would be one of my goals in the next few years really well that would be great definitely that kind of brings me on to obviously nature and the planet Mm -hmm. and you know you said you've uh worked uh, with the turtles and things like mm-hmm. that so that's another important thing to you obviously um and uh you know those initiatives are, are something that you really really rings with you yeah. you know it's an important yeah. thing which i think is obviously now a very important thing that everyone's kind of becoming more aware of yeah so um yeah it's really whatever you can do to kind of help wildlife and environment is important obviously yeah, exactly. Sort of reducing plastic. Uh, sometimes going to the beach, collecting bits of plastic to avoid it being eaten by wildlife, that kind of thing is also really important because we know now more than ever that our planet also affects our health. Mm. So I can see in clinics, you know, what I see in clinic varies depending on, you know, pollution levels, asthma, that kind of thing. Um, so we know that what we're doing in terms of our planet can also have a big impact on our health. So if we look after our planet, it'll also look after us as well. Yeah, so that kind of feeds back into the lifestyle health and then looking after the planet and looking after yourself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I want you to talk about um, kind of like your personal brand and building a personal brand and Mm -hmm. also um, obviously you've uh, appeared on in TV and the media a little bit. So um, uh, what do you think about that kind of being a representative for healthcare as well? I've been able to use social media for the last few years um, to actually dispel a lot of wellness myths because quite often when I, you know you hear x will help with y and it's sometimes not true um so actually having a social media platform allows me to kind of dispel any misinformation so that people aren't you know getting wrong advice because actually when I'm working as a doctor I'm seeing patients who potentially come to harm from it I remember seeing one patient who had done the juice diet based on advice from wellness influencers but they had cancer so they neglected having chemotherapy for juice diet and six months later they came back and actually their disease was much worse it was in you know had gone to the bones and all because they had relied on information that is seen online which wasn't true so it's kind of using your social media platform to actually dispel any misinformation is really important for me Um, and actually putting out information um, that will help people education it's kind of a number one goal for me as a doctor because a lot of the time people don't always have access to um, the research, the journals, the publications um, and don't always understand what's being written. So you can actually give out a lot of information that's evidence-based through social media, um, which people wouldn't have had access to otherwise. Yeah, and I think that's just with the dentistry, it's very similar. Like we, There's a lot of things that we 
feel that everybody knows but actually a lot of people don't yeah. know those informations obviously about we talked about eating sugar um and how that can cause decay and um, brushing your teeth obviously and how to brush your teeth yeah. and uh, you know you need to do it twice a day um and also flossing all those mm -hmm. things you know as the more we can get that across to wider population and and then there's also you know kids as well and mm -hmm. them you know, being more careful with their sugar intake and things. So, yeah, yeah that's really good the way you can, can get those things across. Great. So, um, yeah, I wanted to talk a bit about health and wellness mm -hmm. and how you kind of look after yourself um, in that terms. Like, what things do you do to relax? And, you know, um, how, how what do you, you do when you have some time off that looks after yourself? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think a lot of people quite a bit of pressure on themselves to make sure they're always like doing everything correct but I think in a realistic world you can't always do everything right and I certainly don't but it is a work in progress and you know when you know, there's periods of time in my life where you know stress is a bigger factor and then that impacts the things that I do so I always try and make sure that I've got a good routine first and foremost so I think what underpins my routine is actually making sure that I get a good night's sleep. And that sounds really boring and really basic, but actually if I go to bed on time, I wake up the next morning, I'm able to train, work out, um, it affects what I eat, recovery, that kind of thing. So actually a good night's sleep is really important for me. And sometimes with stress, I go to bed a bit later, you wake up a bit earlier. So I look at things that I can do to improve my sleep. So that's maybe doing something a bit more relaxing before bed. Um, so some of the things that I enjoy doing I include listening to music, podcasts, uh, playing a musical instrument as well. So I play piano, so that helps me to relax. Um, and also making sure that I'm working out regularly. So when I the days that I work out, I actually find that I get to sleep easier. I sleep, my sleep quality is better. So I think making sure that I'm regularly physically active, going to bed on time, and that I'm eating generally something healthy is actually really important for me in terms of keeping myself overall quite healthy and look after my well-being as well. Yeah, I think I agree as well. Um, it's important to um, stop the phone a little bit before you go to bed. You know, yeah. they say that. I try and put it in the charging stand or on the charger. And then, um, yeah, like you say, listening to music is a really good way because that's like uh, stimulating mm -hmm. you, but it's not kind of keeping you awake. It yeah. kind of relaxes you. And anything you can do that everybody's got a different thing that they like to do. Some people like to take a walk. Some people like to take mm -hmm. a bath, you know, but anything you can do that can kind of wind down <laughs> yeah and it's about having that sort of hour or two hours before bed where you develop your own personalized wind down routine and everyone's as you say looks different it's just about finding out what works for you and it's trial and error um, and over time you'll just learn what it is that helps you to get to sleep really definitely yeah i wanted to talk a little bit about your mum mm -hmm. and um you know um what she's been going through and how how you've been dealing with that yeah, so during the pandemic, um, unfortunately, my mum got diagnosed with lung cancer, which was a really big thing for our family. Um, so it's had this huge impact. I think it's, you know, it's kind of a ripple effect cancer on the family because it doesn't only affect the person who's going through it. And I think that sometimes can be, you know, a really difficult thing seeing a loved one go through a diagnosis like that. But it also impacts, you know, the people around that person as well. So it has been a difficult few months. Um, it's just really been about uh, making sure that I'm taking regular breaks that I'm not overworking myself and you know keeping up all the things that we've just spoken about so making sure that I'm 
going to taking regular physical activity that I'm eating a sort of healthish diet most of the time that I'm looking after my sleep um, and also catching up with friends and family I think having good support network around you is probably one of the most important things so I'm really lucky that I've got some really good friends and had friends for many years through school university so it's about touching base with them regularly and just having that conversation and they always check in on me and to make sure that I'm okay and they're just really a, an amazing sounding group to make sure that I'm okay and that um, there's enough support around me whilst I'm supporting mum going through a treatment. Yeah, as you said, like it's important to share your problems, you mm. know, the more you can and that and that kind of offload it. And did yeah. you say you guys live on a farm or you there's a farm somehow involved with your family? Uh, yeah, so my partner's uh, family have a farm, so, All right, so no. it was quite nice to escape and get out. And do some Is green. it a proper working yeah. farm? Um, yeah, it's a proper worker farm. Wow, that's yeah. cool. Well, that's nice. That properly gets you in touch with nature. It does indeed, yeah. Especially living in London, as I'm sure you're aware. There's not much nature sometimes in London, so getting outside into the countryside is always quite nice. Yeah, yeah. I like um, Cotswolds, obviously. Yeah. And then um, I have some family in Dorset, mm -hmm. which is really nice. Um, so I think it's interesting, like, people in London want to go out to the countryside, and then people in the countryside want to come into London, you know. It's like having that reverse um, thing. But it is important to kind of have a balance of urban and, and rural, yeah. isn't it? And when you get to that um, countryside and you kind of like connect with nature, then yeah. you can really um, you can really be at one more. Yeah, and I absolutely love nature, animals, that kind of thing. So um, actually before I wanted to become a doctor, I'd always planned to become a vet for a few years before changing into human medicine so I, I've always loved animals so getting outside and having weekends away with animals and, and the farm or whatever it is I always really enjoy I always find it super relaxing and for my well-being it's always really important mm. one of my cousins is actually a vet and there are some actual vet dentists which really can, <laughs> which is a big job you can imagine they're doing like fillings on rhinos <laughs> but you have to put them to sleep first <laughs> i'm sometimes thinking should i put my patient to sleep <laughs> yeah i mean i think a filling on an elephant exactly would be you need a lot of filling you need a lot to get down that <laughs> trunk right filling, yeah. but I, I mean that would be an experience definitely yeah well that's great well thanks for joining me and uh thanks everyone for listening if you like today's show please rate and review wherever you get your podcasts um, it was presented by me dr richard marks and is a pod people production it was recorded at spiritland studios and the music is by delhi music thanks for joining me chris thank you for having me lovely to be here thank you and you can follow him on at dr chris george that's at dr chris george and links to him will be in the show notes. And we can also put those charity links and things as well so people can, you know, get in touch about the Healthcare Workers Foundation and also the British Society of Lifetime Management if they're interested in those things. And um, for more about me, I'm on at Dr. Underscore Richard underscore, as you know. Um, so that's great, wonderful. Thank you for coming. Thank you very much, Richard.